You know, um, if you're waiting for uh, things to be in a certain order, well, this morning you're going to get disorder. Uh, You can't, uh, most of you can't think that what I'm going to say is going to apply to your children because they're not here to hear it. Uh, You can't think it's going to apply to someone else because hopefully they've gone on holiday and you're left behind. Uh, People always like to deflect what God says. And I, I just want to put some thoughts into your hearts and minds. Uh, if you have ears to hear. Do you know Jesus often said to people, well, him that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And you think, well, why would he say such a thing to religious people who purported to worship God? Why would he have to say it to people who purported to be the true followers of God? Because people get familiar with the things of God and they conveniently change and don't choose to listen to what God says. They choose to only accept what they want. And I began to think about it and I want to turn you back to Genesis chapter 1. And you remember, when God made everything, he made it good, didn't he? In the beginning, God made everything, and it was good. Now, when God made it good, and created everything in creation good, there was one problem, and that was... And you find in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. It was more subtle. But God had given man dominion over the beasts of the fields. God has given man dominion over everything in creation. So... God gave dominion to Adam over the devil and the serpent. He had dominion. Now why would a man who has dominion forsake it, that which God gave, in order to go the wrong way? And the answer is clear. He said unto the woman, verse 1 of chapter 3, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. He hadn't said, don't touch it. He just said, don't eat. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and so on. Good and evil. I've, I've begun to wonder, what is it about good and evil? You see, you can look and you can make choices when God meets you. You can choose to be independent from God's command and you can decide what's right and wrong. Or you can live only by God's word and allow that to be your touchstone. And man doesn't like it. And Jesus' complaint to the Pharisees was, hey, you've changed the uh, law of God into the precepts of man. In other words, man lives by what he wants to live by. Each individual here is making a choice. You either live by the touchstone of God's word alone, or you live by the worldview, or you live by uh, the attitude that you know what's right and wrong. You make your decisions. And the day you take into your hand your own decisions is the day you walk out of God's life. And God walks out of yours. He lets you alone. Terrible thing. Now why would Adam, who had dominion and everything was good, want to know about evil? Why would he want to be independent? Great mystery. Why did God put within the garden a tree with a knowledge of good and evil? Shouldn't he have known all about the good? Wouldn't it have been automatic to know the good? Everything in creation was good. Why would he allow a serpent to tempt him and lead him astray when he had dominion over that serpent. Do you realize that the only way Satan could ever get at anyone was by capturing their mind, getting them to believe a lie? In fact, impugning the character of God and saying, well, God, you know, he doesn't really want you to be like him. So he's really taken from you that attribute. They were made in the image of God. They knew that. He said, well, God doesn't really want that. But the real issue is not what you are in God. The real issue is who you obey. And that is the crux of everything. When Jesus came to earth, his big fight with man was, hey, who are you living for? Who are you, who are you obeying? And where do you get your values of good and evil from? When you judge in your life what you do, where do you get the judgment from? How do you decide what's right and wrong? And that's the real question. What inside of you has the right to make the decisions of what's right and wrong. Where do your values come from? 
Does it come from the world? Does it come from your opinion? Does it come from someone who's subtle enough to deceive you? Or do you come to the touchstone of the word of God? You know, in James it says, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, uh, and you forget that word, you, you, you forget what manner of man you are. It shows you what you are. The word of God. That's why some people don't like the word of God. And the Pharisees didn't like being confronted by Jesus with the word of God. He said, look, God's not like your saying. And he began to express the nature of God. They didn't like it. Why? Because it challenged their lifestyle. And in the end, lifestyle is what it's all about. Let's go and look at Jesus in Luke. You might wonder where I'm going. I know where I'm going. But you won't like where I'm going. Uh, God never intended us to like it, did he? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus, um, Luke 4, chap, uh, verse 1, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, uh, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. One thing I always like to point out to people is fasting when Jesus fasted 40 days, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. Now, when he went, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He didn't go and fast in order to get full of the Holy Ghost. He didn't fast in order to know he was the Son of God. He knew before he went. And if you want to fast... Know this, that the only person you'll meet is the devil. Don't ever get the idea that it's a Christian thing. It's not. In fact, Jesus made it quite plain that his disciples don't fast. When the bridegroom's with you, you don't fast. If you're truly born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't fast. The Bible says so in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke course people don't like that because they like to be religious and they like to attain their salvation through will worship and a little starvation but it is not spiritual it's stupid and if you don't like it lump it that's the truth when they came to Jesus and they said why is it your disciples don't fast and John's disciples fast, the Pharisees fast. Sure they fasted. They wanted to do religious things to cover up their independence from God. They were going their own way. So they wanted to cover everything up. And the easiest way to cover up your sin is to do spiritual things. And everyone thinks, my, what a spiritual man. No, you're not. You're a devil worshipper. You're not doing what God says, you're doing what you want to do. Show how spiritual you are. Well, thank God we're saved by grace and it's not by works. So fasting won't help you at all. God never intended it and you make yourself ill. It's not healthy eating a big meal at night because you've gone hungry all day and it's not healthy trying to work all day without food in your gut. Ask any doctor. Food's good. And a good balanced start is better. 
He was tempted of the devil 40 days. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. When you look at the temptations that he finally ended up with, basically, the enemy, Satan, was coming. And Satan isn't omnipresent. That means if you believe Satan's tempting you every day, I've got news for you. I'm very glad he is because he can't tempt me then. Tempted when you're drawn away by your natural desires, James said, not by a devil. You don't need a devil to help you sin. In fact, the serpent didn't make Adam and Eve do it. They wanted to believe the lie. And when Jesus was in the wilderness... Being tempted of the devil 40 days. The real thing was that the serpent was coming along and he was saying to Jesus, Hey, he said, look, you can meet your needs your way. You have the authority. You have the power. You can turn the stones into bread. You've got the authority. The thing that's most crucial to understand is, though he had the authority to do it, he chose not to do it because God the Father didn't tell him to do it. It was someone else who was trying to get him to go according to his will and his needs instead of obeying God. Same with the kingdoms of all the world. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He does rule supreme. And the devil came along and said, well, I'll give it to you if you'll go another way. Don't go Calvary way. Don't go the way of the cross. Don't go self-denial way. I'll give it to you. Let's come to a deal. Another route. Hey, people will all believe in you. All you've got to do is prove it by a miraculous leaping off the temple and he's given his angels charge over you you'll convince everyone that way but father hadn't told him to do it do you know good and evil is a mixture of both you can do all the right things and it be good and yet it's still evil And that's the problem. What we have today is a lot of people who get real salvation, get a true new birth, and they do all the right things, and yet it's evil. You can live as a Christian, you can believe all the right way, and you can still be going to hell. You say, well, how can you do that? Well, Jesus explained it. You'll find that over in Matthew chapter 7. He says this in verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, 
and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You see, that was the one thing Jesus knew in the temptation. The only thing that counted was whose will you do. Goes on. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And you know the story. But the big thing I want you to notice is many will say unto me in that day, verse 22, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And the word there in the Greek is dear. It, it, it's through your name. You can use authority that's given to you. But I want to tell you something. Using the authority that's given to you, you be careful. You see, you can be living, but if you're not doing the will of the Father, you might be doing good. But it's evil. It's a work of iniquity because it comes from the wrong source. You're doing what you want with your ambitions and your hopes and you're leading the life your way and God says that's a work of iniquity. It's all to do with will. So much can go on with will. It's Father's will. You can be totally right and 100% wrong. You can be doing all that's good and be totally outside of God's will. And he'll call you a worker of iniquity. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's a tremendous responsibility because, you see, it's a mind game. Don't make any mistake of it. The strongholds of Satan are in the mind, in the imaginations and reasonings. And what he wants to convince you is that it's all right to live your way. It's all right to have your life. It's all right as long as you do what you call serving God. But I want to tell you it isn't. You can be doing all the right things, but you do it from your will, and God says it's a work of iniquity. You heal the sick, 
You deliver the captive. And you say, well, I'm doing it for God. You prophesy, and it's a prophecy that's true. You do many wonderful works. And God looks at you and says, you're a worker of iniquity. And it's all hidden in one little phrase. Whose will are you doing? Yours? So, well, I'm entitled to do what I want. Jesus was. When he went into the wilderness to be tempted the devil, he was entitled, creator of heaven and earth, to turn stones into bread. He was entitled to know that angels had charge over him. Hey, he could walk on water. He, he wasn't in any problem. He could do anything. That's the difference. Uh, and what I said to a pastor's meeting on, on Thursday, I want to say to you all, do you, you realize this? You have authority when you're a Christian full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and by that I mean you speak in tongues, you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're born from above, you've dealt with inbred sin. I'm talking about a regenerate Christian now. Old man slain 2,000 years ago, you understand you have the righteousness of Christ. If you don't understand that, don't, you know, it don't refer to you. I'm talking to Christians. If you've got a true meeting with God and God's met you in a real way, you have a choice how you live. Now my Bible says you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. You can't do it your own way. My Bible says that you've got to do Father's will on earth as it is in heaven. That's your choice. But you can go and you can do yours. And everyone will think it's the same. Because what you're doing is taking the gifts of God and you're using them for yourself. And that's a dangerous position to be in because in that day you're going to be in trouble. I see a lot of people around the world who come and they've learnt how to move in spiritual things and they really manipulate God for their own ends. That's frightening. Because... <laughs> You can't afford to do that, you see. You've got to do Father's will. I love it when Jesus said, Jesus actually restricted himself when he had all authority and all power. It says he laid his glory aside in Hebrews. What does it mean? He made himself of no reputation. What does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. He decided he wasn't going to establish his reputation. He was going to establish his father's reputation. And his father's reputation was God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Why? To redeem us. And he decided he was going to lay down his life. He said, look, I have a choice. I can lay it down. I've got power to take it again. No one can take it from me. I choose 
Then he said, I don't do anything of myself. What I hear the father say, that's what I say. What I see the father do, that's what I do. He limited himself only to doing the father's will. He made choices. And every single person who's truly born again has got to make choices in life. It's not unlawful to do good. You can be doing all the right things and end up separated from God, a worker of iniquity, and people will say, well, how can that be? It's because you didn't submit yourself to the will of God and allow the Lordship of Christ to arise in your heart and control things and you didn't choose the will of God, you chose success. You chose prosperity. You chose your life. You chose to build your kingdom. Fine. And you use God's gifts to do it. God says, well, fine. And he lets you. Jesus could have done anything, but he chose not to. Could have got off the cross. There's no way he could have died unless he dismissed his own spirit. It wasn't the devil that took him. Had authority. Do you realize the authority you had? I suppose the fortunate thing is most Christians don't understand what redemption is uh, and they don't really live in redemption. If they did, uh, I think that they'd be in grave danger. But fortunately, most Christians don't understand it, so they never understand the authority they've really got, so they never live in it. So uh, really, because of their ignorance, they're very limited in what they do in their life. And that's a blessing because if they weren't limited and they understood the authority, they would go into such outlandish things and use God's gifts for their own ends and destroy themselves far quicker. We have tremendous authority. That's one of the wonderful things about redemption. Jesus is risen. He's seated on the throne in heaven. We're like him. He lives in us. That life, resurrection life is in us. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We've got tremendous authority if we know it. But then how are we going to use it? I sometimes wonder whether God doesn't keep people ignorant of what he's really given them in redemption to stop them from abusing it. But then... See, my question to you this morning is who you really live for. Whose will are you fulfilling? Your will? The devil's will? God's will? Do you wait to hear what Father says? Do 
You know the book here, it's strange. There are principles in the book. You can't get round them. Bible says, be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. What fellowship of Christ with Balaam? I'm amazed how many Christians, when it comes to marriage, they, they'll get married to an unbeliever, um, believing that that person will get converted because they marry them. I want to tell you, that doesn't work. God said, don't. I'm amazed how many Christians will go into business and make um, partnerships with people who aren't Christians. God said, don't. Oh, but you're smart to do your own will. And you know they're not really living a spirit-filled life, and yet you'll make a, a, a commitment to them. Well, was God right or wrong? I know that God says, don't get drunk. Alcohol, drunk, is a dangerous thing. I know some people who think, well, you know, all things are lawful, it's okay. And you go, they go off and, and they start, and then before you know it, they get their minds sozzled. And they come to church and they think, oh, well, it's all right. Well, I want to tell you, it isn't. Well, we're free. Yeah. But you're meant to be doing Father's will. People with a drink problem always think that they haven't got a problem. I know people that believe it's all right to do this or that. And basically the Bible says you've got to, when you go into business, you've got to have honest scales. You've got to be faithful. Your yes should be yes and your no should be no. You've got to have integrity. Not cheat people and call it good business. That's not good business, it's cheating people. It says if someone's going to be like that, you're not to keep company with them. Now I know you can block your ears and say, I don't want to hear that. But that's what the Bible says. You choose your friends wisely. I don't want to be in league with the world. Why the world has nothing for me? I wonder why so many Christians get involved with people that don't want to go God's way, in fact, due to despite to the kingdom of God and the principles of God, and yet they say they're nice people. They're not nice people, they're rebels. They're against God. Don't want anything to do with them. Thank you very much. I'll preach the gospel to them. But that's it. I mean, Jesus said, if you're the wise man, you build your house upon a rock. Doesn't mean you can't build a house somewhere else. You can. But what it happens is it takes you away from truth. You've got to make up your mind. Who, whose family do you belong to? Who is your father? 
Who do you identify with? Do you identify with the people of God or the people of the world? Let me tell you something. The world will never accept you if so be you're a child of God because God will work out a way of making you unacceptable. That's his mercy and grace. He'll work out a way of turning things because he loves you. See, that's how the prodigal son ended up in the pig pen. He went, he squandered all his money. Hey, he found that the only reason those people in the world were friendly with him was what they could get out of him. They weren't interested in him as a person at all. And when he fell on hard times, they didn't want to help him at all. And that's one of the mercies of God. God's judgment? No, it's your folly. Because you've chosen to be independent from God, you bring calamity on yourself. That's all. It's not a terrible judgmental God. It's God trying to bring you to your senses. He's wanting you to hear, but you won't hear. You know, that's why I stood over Jerusalem. He said, how oft would I have gathered you? But you would not. Hardest thing for a pastor, you can tell people principles, but they won't listen. You can challenge them, but they'll still know better. They won't accept the word of God. They'd rather go and do what they think is right in their own eyes. And then you wonder what's the purpose in preaching. Because you know that hearing they're not going to hear. Seeing they won't see. Why? Because their will blinds them. Their desires blind them. You know there's three temptations. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Pride of life's the worst one. Someone with a big ego. Who made you saviour? You're not going to save anyone. The only way to save people is live by God's principles. What God says, that's it. You go any other way and it won't work. Because you've got to be saved by the incorruptible word of God. You're not saved by friendship. You're not saved by reaching out. Listen. Chaucer road in the partner's tail he that sups with the devil needs a long spoon if you want to sit and sup with the devil you need a long spoon you'll get contaminated that's why we're separated we're a sanctified people aren't we huh we don't belong to them do we hmm I can't be a friend of theirs because they're an enemy of God. And anyone that's an enemy of God, I couldn't make a friend to, could I? Someone who hates the God I love, <laughs> who gave his life for me, how could I befriend him? How could I say, oh, you're a great friend when I know that he hates the one that I love? And he does despite to him and to his truth and to his word. How could I love him? I don't. 
I hate what he does. Now either the Bible's right or the Bible's wrong. Is that what the Bible says? Is it? Jesus Christ sent us to be different lights that cannot be hid. He wants us to have standards and values that everyone knows. I've learned over the period of time, after 35 years, I've learned one thing, that in the end, no matter what you say, people will do what they want to do. They will not listen. I can understand how Jesus felt when he talked to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, They weren't going to listen. They weren't going to go God's way. They're going to go their way. They know better. And you wonder, what is it about man? You can make all the excuses you like. But in the end, the real thing you're doing is you're challenging God. You're saying, God, I don't think that your way's the right way. And that's where the trouble lies. What if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What's a man going to give for his soul? If I were to ask each one of you, who do you live for today? You can make your excuses, you can have all your defences up. You can say, ah yeah, but you don't understand, you don't know the facts, you don't know this, you don't know that. But God's principles are God's principles and they are immutable. Can't just change them according to circumstances. That is not Christianity. That's you taking of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and making your own values, your own assessments, and refusing to listen to God. Called rebellion. And that's the sin of witchcraft. Supposing you heal the sick, you prophesy, do wonderful works, and God says to you, you're a worker of iniquity. How all hidden in that little scripture, you didn't do my father's will. By their fruit you shall know them. It's amazing how to disobey God you can have a hundred excuses. Well, I don't really feel that uh, this person said that right and they shouldn't have done this and they shouldn't have done that. That doesn't matter. What matters is what does God say? We live by God's word. Well, you don't know the circumstances of my life and this happened and that happened. But that doesn't matter. What does God say? (laughs) It's Father's will you're meant to be doing not man's you're living according to his word man shall not live by bread alone by but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God I've got to know what God says I start with what God says not my experience not what I need but what God says that's my starting point in life in everything
what does God say? It's never what what are the circumstances. They don't matter. What does God say? If you violate those principles, you are actually a hater of God. What you're saying to God, Jesus said, you'll know that you love me when you keep my commandments. How do I know? I love God. Why? His word's precious to me. Wonder how precious God's word is to you. It won't be precious to you if you can't get your own way in life. It won't be precious to you if you want to go your way. In Malachi, one of the things was, they oft gathered together and spoke the word of God one to another. They loved the word of God. Joshua was told that if he meditated on the word of God day and night, he would have good prosperity. You can get prosperity another way. He was told, look, walk according to God, obey him. How do I know what's right and wrong? I'll tell you, it's in the book. How will I know it's in the book if I don't read it? I won't. But then if I don't value these words and this book, then don't call myself a Christian because I'm not. Christianity is in the book. Life is in the word. Say it's just just a letter. No, no, when you're filled with the spirit, it's your life. Everything's judged according. Do you know Jesus said my words are going to judge you? question is whose will are you living now this day in your life who are you really following understand God is never going to drive you into a witness to be tempted fasted and tempted of the devil Jesus did that so that we could live in victory he had to take every Is everything governed by his principles or is everything governed by what you think is right and wrong? It's the only issue. It's not the devil. Hmm. The devil was defeated on Calvary's tree. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we were. The spirit drove him into the wilderness that he might be tempted of the devil and he was 40 days and 40 nights. Understand God is never going to drive you into a wilderness to be tempted, fasted and tempted of the devil. Jesus did that so that we could live in victory. He had to take every temptation that man knew. That's why it's 40 days. You say, well, there's only three mentioned. Yeah, they're mentioned at the end, but it said he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. The devil tried everything to get Jesus to do what he wanted, to manipulate his mind, and Christ refused. And the battlefield is your mind. 
How do you sort the spirit of your mind out and get the spirit of your mind renewed? By reading the word. It's the water of the word that cleanses. It's the water of the word that keeps. Given the way of life. He said you'll live by it. If you don't live by it, you're going to die by your own thoughts. Those are the issues. More and more as I go on, I realize that people are just making their own choices. The Pharisee comes to church and he says, well, yeah, but I don't agree. Well, it's not a matter of agreeing. God didn't ask you to agree. He told you to obey. It's not a matter of your interpretation, what it says it means. I'm a believer. The devil has no part in this. I have choice. I can believe a lie. I can justify myself. Or I can choose to go God's way. That's where the issue lies. For each one of us. Okay? Is that clear? Don't know I can put it any clearer. Well, I'll probably try. If I could get each one and shake you, I'd like to. Shake you out of your complacency to realize, hey, it's so easy to go right, so easy to go wrong. It's all choice. Choose who you'll serve. Choose the way you go. One of the things that's happening all around the world is the devil's bringing out lies. Well, you can easily manipulate God. You know, there's scriptures and you, all you have to do is this and all you have to do is that. And what does God want for your life? You wonder, what's God's will? I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take everything to, to spend it on extravagant things. I, I just couldn't do it. Why? Because I believe God made me a steward. And we've got to be wise stewards of his money. Surely if he prospers us, it's to enrich the kingdom of God, not to enrich ourselves. I wonder what Father's will is. I'm wondering in your life what Father's will is. What did he say about the rich man? Go sell what you have, give to the poor. Why? Because he'd set his heart on riches. It wasn't riches weren't wrong, but it was what he was doing with it. Our values have got to be right. We're put here to love people and to express the love of God to them. Not to show them how super duper we are, but to care for them and be like Christ.
I want to be like Jesus. Hmm? Have you ever thought he could have turned the stones into diamonds? Could have made the sand into gold. He could have taken anything and transformed it. He healed the sick, he delivered the... His concern was with the needs of men. Why does God care for man? Why art thou mindful of him? What is the son of man? God sent his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And he said, got to live my way. Do my father's will. Okay. I don't know if you've got ears to hear. For many of you, I doubt it. Because if you had, you couldn't live the way you do. But for those who hear, alter your lifestyle. Live God's principles. Be what God intends you to be. Okay? Let's stand. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Father, I just pray in your mercy and your love, you'll reach out to each one. Lord, you called us to do your will, to be what you want us to be. I pray for each one here. Father, reach inside, let your word reach inside. Lord Jesus, melt every heart and let the choices be right. I pray in Jesus' name. You know, It's a matter of will. It's not what you decide in here, it's what you do out there. It's not what you are in here. When his kingdom comes, you know, either you're going to live for the king of kings, or you're going to live for yourself. Either you're going to do what he says, or you're just going to live as a religious person. And in the end, destroy yourself. When his kingdom comes, what a difference. That's what it's about. Do sit down, choir of the